Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Parents to, for their kids a couple weeks ago to draw a picture of the church. Draw a picture so you guys can see that here. And then right there, that's, this is some of the, the pictures. So Jacob and Emma, they did a, a great job. Henry and Miles, Dylan, thank you for, for drawing your pictures. Layla, you see their, their picture. So I told, I told the parents, I said, have your kids draw Freedom Church. Or if, if, you know, if that's confusing, like just draw church. And so here's either a picture of them drawing the church or them, them actually while they're doing it. Here's what I, I, I want, wanted them to do. All of them, and the kids did a phenomenal job. They did a great job drawing that wrong. See, when they were told, given the directions of draw the church, you'll notice every picture has a building on it, which isn't bad. But I also want to make the point, what you see here is the church. The people, the kids, that is the church. Something I've learned in this last year, if anything, if it's taught me, that the church is not a building. I love a building, but we are, at Stream Church, about building people. Now, these kids did a phenomenal job, but I, it kind of goes to show in this little social experiment. That's what we think, right? That's what we think it is. We're kind of attached to that. We lost some things in 2020. You can go ahead and take it down. Um, we lost some things in 2020 so we could win, so we could make some gains. So we could gain some focus on the thing. That's what we talked about last week for those of us that were in the room. There's only one thing, the thing. We lost, we lost some things so we could gain some focus on the thing. And so while I'm grateful to be in the building, I'm more grateful to be with people and building people and seeing people take their next step. Now, it's not, it's not sexy. Like, numbers are sexy. It'd be nice to say, well, there was so many people that were in the room. There was so many people online. There was so many people in the building, or they got saved. Like, I've gone on mission trips before, and one of the things that hit me like a ton of bricks when we did missions was we talked with them as we were helping. And the sexy thing is, that especially if someone gave money for you to go onto a mission trip, they want to know, like, how many people went to PBS? How many people did you feed? How many houses did you build? How many people got None of those things are bad or wrong, but we can lose sight of, the, of what's really important. What's not sexy is, hey, you know, there's a family, and we played with their kids all day, and all we did for an entire day on this trip was just play jump rope with these kids. And we just sat there with them. Speak the language. And what we learned was that was See, we live in a culture, we live in a culture in the United States that's built 
solution that, that prides itself on fixing things. And again, nothing wrong with that, but it can cause us to, to lose things. Like, what has been one of the common phrases? I can't wait for this pandemic to end so we can all get back to normal. Yes. I want a solution. Solve it. We, we live in a culture that loves solutions. If you bring me a problem, you better come back with a solution, right? It's like vanilla ice back in the 90s. Where it's like, if you got a problem, you'll all solve it. Thank you. Yes. Fix it. Get a hammer. I don't think so, I don't think so, I don't think so, I don't think so. I've got a, 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 a little chart that I want to show you. For a lot of us, we want, if I got a problem A, and C is the solution, I want to be line from A to C. I think you got that on a slide. Get me from point A to point C. Is that on there, Becky? No? That's fine. Seth has got it. Maybe I gave you the wrong PowerPoint. <laughs> Just picture A here, C here. And I want, I want to get from A to C. What I want to talk about is the fact that life isn't set like that. Our, our businesses, hey, time's money, right? Give me problems. Or you have a problem, you better have some solutions. We want to fix it. But life is more like a B that's right in the middle. I, I can't get from A to C. I got all the stuff that's in the middle. Tonight, I want to talk about empathy. I want to talk about the B in our life, the, the, the middle portion in our life. Because I think that's where a lot of us, we are in the room tonight. It's, it, we want a solution, but I don't know what the solution is, and I got all the, the feelings right now. I mean, just <laughs> take marriage, for example. I remember very early on in, in our dating relationship with Rita and I, and she was going on about some problems that she was having. Now, I go into fix-it mode. So she's going on and on. No, I don't know. <laughs> she's going to be like, you're going to be some problems here in a minute. Um, and I'm in fix-it mode. And then I felt this weird sensation. It was her hand on mine. And then she said the strangest thing. She said, Mike, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. Any, anybody tracking with me? I'm like, some, no one wants to say, I'm like, what? What? I don't, I, this is unheard of. You're an alien. I don't understand. Now we have conversations where we know each other enough well in marriage to where we can even just start the, like the conversations kind of started and we'll just stop like, hey, quick time out. Do you want me to listen here, or do you want me to solve this? You know, because we're just getting on the same page. I had never heard anything like that. When I was in seminary, 
And they were teaching us about counseling. The first thing he taught us was like, you don't want to, you don't want to solve their problems. You're not there to solve your problems. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. They're coming in with a problem A. They want me to come up with C. But a big part of what I needed to do, what I was taught was, I need to be in B with them and just feel it and, and walk through some things with them. So today I want to talk about one of the number one things that you can do in 2021 to build relationships. We talked last week about loving Los Alamos. The number one thing was loving God, making that the number one priority. So he said, and you must love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is Jesus. They said, what's the most important thing, Jesus? He said this, but then he didn't just say one, he said two. He gave, it's like two sides of a coin. And he says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment is greater than these. And they're tied together. They are inseparable. Love your neighbor. That's what I want to talk about. And one of the best ways we can do that is through empathy, and I want to break that down. But the problem with empathy in our culture is that there's no reward for feeling it. We, I felt like doing the project today, boss. But I just, you know, it wasn't quite happening. No, I want you to fix it. The issue with relationships is that slow is fast in relationships. It takes time for relationships to build. In our culture, we're in a, hey, get it done. We got to do this. We got to help our kids do this. We got to go, go, go. We got to be doing. We got to be productive. When relationships slow is fast. And also, solutions, see, are out of our control. Hello, 2020. I have no, a lot of times I have no control over the solutions. You, you might be coming in here with a whole set of problems. I don't know the solution. I got more problems than I got solutions. And so I believe, I believe, if we want to love Los Alamos, not just say it, but actually do it, the greatest catalyst for you to love Los Alamos in 2021, the greatest catalyst for you to have a better marriage, the greatest catalyst for you to, to have a better relationship with your kids or teenagers or kids, the greatest catalyst for you to have a better relationship with your parents is not to fix it. Although that's what we want. Not to solve it, but to feel it. And for the guys in the room, especially the guys that are married and the ones online, we got to get this. I mean, you, I would say this, get it now or you can pay $300 an hour with a counselor and you can get it done with you and a counselor later. I'd rather you do it for free and practice it and get it done now. We got to learn how to do this. Empathy, empathy is not in our DNA for a lot of us. For you, anyone of five on the Enneagram, you take the Enneagram, you're the thinkers, like we got to work hard at this. But it is the greatest catalyst to do this. To understand, this is what our culture needs. This is going to be totally different from what you see on the news or on social media. To understand someone 
and try as best as you can to see what it's like in their shoes. Like, I don't like the decisions that you made, but if I were in your shoes, I could see how you got there. Like, if I were in your shoes, I would have walked away from church too. If I were in your shoes, I would be asking some questions about God too. I mean, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to walk away, but I could see how you got there. I mean, Mike, I just don't understand. How can they vote? If anyone is voting that way, then I don't even understand. I, I don't understand how they could get there. Well, then you've just admitted something that you don't understand and you have room for growth. Hey, I probably wouldn't have voted that way. But if I were in your shoes, I could see how you got there. You, you don't want me to solve your problems. I think if we were honest, if we were to have just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, we were to look each other in the eye, I think what would be more powerful, what would be more impactful would be for me to, to look at you and say, Kay, you're doing one heck of a job. What you're doing right now and in this past year, you're doing an amazing job. And at the same time, it's really, really hard. It's extremely challenging what you're going through. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on stage trying to make a point. I'm genuinely saying that. You're working really hard, and it's really hard. How can I help? And I think for all of us, that's what we want, just to be heard, to be understood. That's going to give me a little bit of hope to say, okay, they understand. I can move forward with that. I don't like, I didn't change the situation. I didn't solve anything, but I'm walking with you through that. That's what love one is about, is how can we have some empathy and put ourselves in other, other people's shoes. And I want to look at a story. We looked at Martha and Mary last week. And Martha, Martha and Mary, they had Jesus in, in the room cooking a dinner, and, and Martha caused a scene. I want to talk tonight about a different scene. Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. And Lazarus is sick. He actually dies in this scene. Jesus is in another town nearby. Martha and Mary think Jesus can help. So they send some messengers to Jesus in the town nearby where Jesus is preaching or doing something and then he sees these messengers show up. And on the timeline of events, when they sent the messenger, Lazarus was sick. But on that same day that they sent the messenger, he also died. Messengers didn't quite know that. Jesus sees them in the room. Hey, guys, what, what, what are you doing? What's going on? And they said, Lord, your dear friend. Notice the intimacy. Notice, notice the, the, the intimacy and the relationship here. Your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not, say, say this with me, will not, put that in the chat, will not, Lazarus' sickness 
will not end in death. When the creator of the universe says something will not, you can put a stamp on it and say, I think something's about to happen here. If he's spoken a word to you and if he's given you a word for 2021, he's about to work something in you. No, this happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. There's the solution right there. He's given a solution. He's given us C. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So puzzling. I just skipped over that. That's, that, that leapt out to me as I was reading. Although he loved them, although he loved you, he stayed where he was. Now, the Jewish, in the Jewish tradition, you know, we do funerals and, and a burial, and we kind of do it all in one, in one day. Um, it's, it's different, but that's kind of how it goes. They had seven, seven days. It was called sitting Shiva. I got to say that very carefully, sitting Shiva. And they would, they would weep, they would wail, and they would take turns. And it was the seven days of, of mourning in that relationship or in that, in that funeral experience. Jesus stayed where he was because he wanted to give God glory. Jesus stayed because, hey, after a few days, it was going to be undeniable about Lazarus was dead. He's not just sick. He is dead, dead, dead. Because he loved him, he stayed two extra days. Where, Jesus, because he loved you, he stayed on a cross. He stayed in the grave because there was a going to be a resurrection. He wanted to give God the glory. I'm, there's times in your life where you wanted Jesus to come and show up, but he stayed where he was because there was something better on the other side. That's not the answer that the messengers wanted. We know Martha, Karen, right? He's got to go back to Karen. Karen's like, I said go get Jesus. Where is he? I just saw, hey, 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 a couple chapters ago, Jesus, he just said the word. He just said the word and that guy got healed. Where was that messenger? You know, Jesus, you're sending me back to Martha. I don't want to go back to Martha empty-handed, and that's what you're telling me to do. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, it's not going to end in death. He'll be fine. Like, I don't want to go. I'm not going back to Martha's house. That's just not, no, uh-uh. You saw, you know, it ain't good. I want to tell you, some of you, you need to, don't stop. Don't give up right now. You might be just short of a miracle. Jesus may not have shown up at the time or how you wanted, but don't stop where you're at, because I'm believing there's something on the other side, a greater story to tell, so don't give up. In fact, Jesus has the audacity to say here in verse 15, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you'll really believe. Come, let's go. Well, that's encouraging, Jesus. Your dear friend died, and you're like, I'm glad I wasn't. Not only did I not come, I'm glad I didn't. Sounds callous. Doesn't sound empathetic. Sounds indifferent. 
Jesus knew there was something better. Don't give up because Jesus knows there's something better on the horizon. With Jesus, the best is always yet to come. That's, why we, that's one of the things that we say around here. Not because of our situation. I just really believe because of Jesus, the best is still to come. There's something better. So, Jesus shows up on the scene. It's day four. He's dead. Dead, dead. He's buried. He's in the tomb. Martha, she comes out to see Jesus. Mary, she's over at home. They get word to Mary. Say, hey, Jesus is here. Mary comes to see Jesus. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only. How many if onlys? God, if only you had. If only. If only we would already be at sea. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and he saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. You start to see the feelings coming. You start to see Jesus. He's operating in B right here. See, if I'm Jesus, and I know what's about to take place, and he knows what's about to take place, and I see everyone weeping and wailing. I don't know about you, but going back to my 90s references, I liked wrestling, WWF, and Ric Flair. I'm kind of like, woo! Like, hey, I, I, stop the crying. Go ahead and just part the ways. You know, I, I got something for you. Just watch over here. You know, we got the, the, the smoke and the, the fireworks going, and let's just call the name of Lazarus. Woo, Lazarus, let's go and have a party. Like, I'm just like, let's get straight to see, right? Let's get the show on. Let's get this resurrection party going. Let's go straight to see. I think it is so important that we do not miss what did Jesus do. The resurrection, believe me, of Lazarus is the top billing in the story, but I want to point out how Jesus was operating in B in this whole time. Now he says, where have you put him? He, he sees the scene. He surveys the scene. He says, take me there. Where, where have you put him? They told him, Lord, come, come see. And then verse 35, our anchor text for tonight. Then Jesus wept. You might have never memorized a Bible verse in your entire life. You can do that one. And it's one of the deepest ones in Scripture. He wept. He saw the situation. He sees your situation. He feels it. He understands it. And he wept. The Bible you read the Bible, it shows over and over and over again. We see miracles. We see moving from point A to point C. But you cannot miss the glaring issue that the miracles that God does in Scripture don't last. The people who receive the miracle eventually start doubting eventually start questioning, they misremember, 
And it doesn't satisfy. Miracles are kind of like a drug. I had it for a little bit, but I need some more. Spoiler alert, Lazarus raises from the dead, but has anyone seen or talked to Lazarus lately? What happens when the miracle doesn't come the second time? When you don't get see? The Bible says, it just says, we wouldn't, for some of us, we wouldn't even believe. We would just want more. Miracles are not an end of themselves. They are a means to an end. That God the entire time, whatever he's doing, is pointing out that he wants a relationship. He's about a relationship. He's, he's not about the perfect life. Oh, just give me the, the I, want, I want the picture perfect life. That, that's, that's what we're shooting for here. Relationship with God is what we want. And that's what we were talking about last week. Empathy. Empathy. And I can, I can only imagine, I'm speculating, but the people who were in that scene, the people who were there, as the years went by and they saw Lazarus, they, they, they liked the miracle, believe me, that was huge, but I think as the years went by, and they kind of wondered about their own faith, and who was this Jesus guy, and how did he really feel? I think some of them, what impacted them the most, do you remember how he wept? Do you remember, like he was shedding tears? That deep anger in the Greek, as you look at it, and that definition, it's kind of like, almost like this, this, um, this groan. Like some of you get with your kids or something. Like, oh, ah! Like this, vocalizing this. He saw the destruction that sin caused in his friend's life, and it made him angry. Frustrated, and he wept for him. It made him sad when he saw the destruction that sin had done. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus, how he felt about him? Empathy. In John 11, the very next verse, verse 36 says, The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him you see how much he loved him did you see how much he loved him did you see it you could almost feel it they saw the evidence of love through his empathy Why? this is so important to our faith if I'm Jesus, okay, his mission here on earth was to create a way so you and I could have a right relationship with God. See, he spent three days conquering sin and death so we could have a relationship with him. He did it in three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was C. He spent 33 years in B. If I'm Jesus, 
I come to earth as a man. I get the Pharisees upset real fast. I get Herod upset real fast. We get this party done in about a day, and then I'm back on my throne where I want to be anyway. But that's not our God, and that's not who Jesus is. 33 years in B. Chose, chose to come as a, as a, as a fetus. The most vulnerable place. Here's God, right here, as a fetus, as a little boy, as a, as a middle schooler. Like, who chooses to be a middle schooler? That's just like, what? Chose to, to be tempted and face it head on. Living in B. And 33 years of God with us, Emmanuel is now living in you and I. Let me say that again. 33 years of God, Emmanuel, who lived on this earth, is now living inside you and I. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, as it says in, in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead, that power lives in you and I. I want to tap into that power. I want to see that power work in other people's lives. The foundation of us loving Los Alamos isn't going to be solving problems. It's going to be in the relationship. How do you build relationship? The foundation of any relationship is trust. The currency of any relationship is trust. You build it up, you build it up, you build it up, but you know and I know, you can, boom, all trust can be gone in a, in a split-second decision. How do I build trust? How do I earn it back? One of the ways, empathy. You're not just some passing by thing. You are a human being. I don't know you, we're not best friends, but I can try to put myself in your shoes and create some understanding. Empathy builds trust. In the long game, miracles we low do not earn trust. They don't build trust. It's a, it's a short-term fix. Empathy is the bridge that points people to Jesus. Empathy fills a gap. So what I want for you and I, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? How do I do this empathy thing? I want you to slow down. You're like, I'm already slowed down. Yeah, but your mind's not. Your mind is still spinning and spinning and spinning. We need to slow down our schedules. We need to slow down our minds. I want, I want to create margin in your life, heart margin. Heart margin to where I can slow down and I can see you. Now, I can't do that all the time. There's times when I got to do work, but do I have enough space in my life for a, a relationship, a friendship? How many of you... Could we just use a friend, a real friend, but we're going and going and going and we're so wrapped up in stuff we don't have heart margin for anyone else. It's not natural to us and we see our Savior over and over again seeing people where they're at and having margin in their heart, in his heart to build that bridge with them. 
I want us to live more in B. I'm not trying to fix you. I can't fix you. I can barely even work on me. But I want to journey together with you. I want to cultivate a presence, not only with God, but I want to cultivate a presence with people. B, living in B is where I grow because it's so messy. It's so uncomfortable. I just want to solve it and move on. I can't. B is where you are going to grow up. It's going to reveal some darkness inside of you. But that's okay because God's got something better planned. As long as you're taking next steps forward, as long as you don't stay down, you win. As long as you get back up, you win. You lose if you give up. I'm, I'm committed to helping, helping people get back up and take another step forward. Nobody, as we close out, I'm running out on time. Nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected a resurrection that day. Jesus showed up on the scene. The disciples thought, they didn't like, oh, he's not raising, raising Lazarus from the dead. They thought he was just asleep or something like that. They, they didn't think it was, and, and then Jesus, he talks to Martha. Martha's like, if only you were here, Jesus, he, he would be fine. And Jesus said, hey, I'm, it's not going to end in death. I am the resurrection, he says in, in verse 25. And Martha's like, yeah, I know you're going to raise people from the dead. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Like, she had it up in her head. But then when Jesus, when it, when it came to the, the, the rubber hitting the road, Jesus said, roll that stone away from the tomb. And then Martha's like, no, 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 no. Like, you ain't raising no one from the dead. That's stinky in there. It's stanky in there. Like, he's been dead, dead. Like, don't do that. That's bad. Nobody. Nobody expected a resurrection. For many people, this is kind of a, a buzz phrase right now. Have you heard people saying, I'm deconstructing my faith? I've deconstructed my faith. I don't, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I think in this season, Jesus was trying to build their faith. Remember, he said, oh, he's not going to end in death. This is going to happen for God's glory. He was doing something, allowing something negative to happen so he could actually build their faith. I think for a lot of us, we're not so much deconstructing our faith as we have been deconstructing our religion. And I think Jesus is totally fine with deconstructing your religion. Like when we think about church, we think about buildings. That's religion. We're in a building. The building's not bad. But when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, the ecclesia, it wasn't a building. It was a gathering of people. That's what, it's what, when I have this gathering, I'm going to build this gathering of people, followers of me. And I think there's a lot of things we as Christians, we don't have bad intent. We just don't know. We fall into this construct or to this system that has, we need to deconstruct that. So I just want to get back to me and Jesus and relationships with others and start loving people, just genuinely loving them, not trying to fix them. They're not a project. Jesus right here, he's trying to, He's trying to deconstruct. Martha, I'm going to deconstruct your, your faith right here because you, you don't understand who I am. I want you to have a better, a better picture of who I am. And so he rolls that stone 
away. I want to declare for you tonight. I want to believe for you tonight. This is what God just kind of spoke to me. I see victory for you in 2021. I see grave clothes coming off. I see the the stones rolling away. I see your eyes opening to see God and Jesus a little bit clearer and how this, this life is supposed to work. Yes, do we have systems here at Freedom Church? Do we have a building? Yes, I'm never going to knock the gathering of people together. But I'm more about seeing you take your next step with Jesus than I am about numbers, than I am about filling all these seats. Here's what I know, though. When you start living a life and you just love people and you build bridges, you have heart margin in your life to just start seeing people for who they are, God says, now I got someone who I can start opening doors with. Now I have someone who's going to start being a light, and they're going to start sharing their faith. And what you'll find is people start coming when they see that they're not a project, when they see it's not about religion. It's just about, I just want to have a relationship with my creator, and I can do that and express that freely and I don't have to fit into this mold I just get to be me and that's all your father is saying I just want you to be you and I just want to have this relationship with you together and he wants to use you as a bridge as a conduit be B in B. You don't have to fix it for anyone. Just love them, and God's going to open up doors. That's what I want for you. So, Love One, we're going to kick it off this week, the Love One Initiative. I'll explain more. We'll do it live on Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember exactly when it's going to start. All I, it's real simple. I just want you to love one person or one family thoughtfully and intentionally in 2021. That's it. Create heart margin in your life. Create heart margin in your life to, to just genuinely and intentionally love one family or one person. Maybe it's someone in your workplace. I'm talking specifically Los Alamos. Maybe it's someone inside the church whoever God lays on your heart. And you're like, I don't have money to do this. I don't have money to give them gifts. Loving someone does not require gifts. You can love them digitally and online. You don't even have to be at their house. You just, hey, they post something. I'm going to give them an encouraging comment and say, that's awesome. And I'm just going to follow up. I'm just going to encourage them. I'm going to create heart margin in my space to see you. To see you. To see you. And do my best to say, I may not have made that choice, but I can see how you got there. How can I help? You're doing a great job. It's hard. How can I help? How do you change the world? Lynn, can you hear me? How do you change the world? Do you know? There you go. For those of you that couldn't hear that, you change the world one story at a time. How do you change the world? You change the world one story at a time. Love one in 2021.
and you never know. You might just change the world. This is how the early church did it, by the way. This is how they did it. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have money. They didn't have power. They had status. They just loved people. When the opportunity came, they said Jesus. They pointed people to Jesus. Next week, we're going to have a time where we talk about that last part of that verse. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The best gift you can give to your neighbor is a healthy you. And some of us, we got to get healthy. None of us are going to be perfect, but we got to get healthy. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be special. Don't miss that one next week. Tonight, create some margin in your life to love other people. I don't know who that is or how you're going to do that. But slow down, slow down to give us a space. Let's stand together. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.